it was. I'm making this mistake again. Okay, so I'm just trying to get on the right page. Hi, Jax. Um, Yes, hello, how do you do? I'm fine, what about you? Fantastic, do you need me to say something nice about Russia? Yeah, I lived there for several years and now I had to leave because of this whole political thing. You had to leave where? I mean leave what can you speak up to Kazakhstan hello hello what are you saying 
leave Russia and go to Kazakhstan. Why did you leave Russia? Where are you from? Are you a deserter? No, I wasn't born in Russia. Why did you leave Russia? Do you not want to answer? Because you don't have to answer if it makes you feel uncomfortable. No, it's fine. Um, or is your English not so good? Because of the this whole situation. Which situation? With politics and economy. Mobilization. If you're familiar with that... <laughs> I don't, I, can, can you explain a little further? Um, a lot of men are called by government to the war. And a what? lot of people are fleeing. <laughs> what are you giggling about? Um, it's just nervous left. Don't be nervous, man. Just tell me. Just tell me what you're thinking. What's on your mind? I'm very easy to talk to. Um, is you, is, are you from is, US? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, are you hard of uh, speaking English? Uh, no, I know English pretty well. Oh, just, so what's the problem, um, bro? It's just hard to speak in general. <laughs> I haven't been like in Colin for a while. You haven't been uh, been in what? In Colin for a while? Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just cold in here. Uh, the thing that I've noticed from my feed in social media is that bloggers and like some experts in social media are who are usually working in marketing and selling courses are uh, re reacting to this briefly and saying that they are just gonna live their lives. And this is kind of weird to me because they Who's don't... Who's going to uh, leave their wives? Uh, people who make a lot of money off of Instagram and social media. <laughs> Like, they address that the whole panic because the general mood of the nation is anxious and <laughs> panic. panicky because a lot of men are going to be called to die and kill in the war. Um, but they are not saying, like, don't go to... Uh, how is it called? Where are they? Recruitment offices? Yeah. Where they can send you directly to the war. They're just like, I'm just gonna like soothe myself and do what I have to do. And usually this is female experts and uh, some men, but who are not in Russia. <laughs> So this is like weird. And some uh, people in media like who are spreading propaganda and getting paid are saying to go to recruitment offices and that's um, like you have to wait for the court to resolve. Like if you have to go to work, you get this um, paper that you're called war. <laughs> so basically they're just calling getting a lot of people in this mm. what have you heard about
war between Russia and Ukraine. I've heard it all, brother. I've heard the news, the truth, and this information. Do you know Russian? <laughs> no, yet. I do not. Do you? Я это знаю. What media do you consume to like news and politics and stuff? RT. Russia Today. RT. I don't know why is it so hard for people to like say it's just one sure thing that you should not go to the recruitment office and sign any papers that they call or just catch you in the street and try to give you so that you can like if you get this paper from recruitment office If you take it and and just refuse to do it, you can be fined on five hundred or three thousand rubles total. But if you sign it and you go there, already sent officially, then you can get to prison for ten years. So I think what people should be doing. Is just spreading only one instruction mainly to not sign anything, not go to any stupid recruitment offices, but they uh, only bring up like the situation, politics. Like first, yes. it's just I'm trying to I, live I like, my life, I like and then Putin. I like him. Why? <laughs> He's a real man. What do you mean by that? He loves his country. How is it expressed in his no, actions? I, I don't believe Joe Biden. I believe Putin. Putin seems to be a man. He acts like a man. He does manly things. He speaks like a man. He is manly. And I cannot say the same for Western leaders, where there's a lot of women and minorities, etc. Uh, what's wrong with Biden? <laughs> oh well, firstly, he's senile. He's losing his mind. He's not in control. He's what? Senile. Have you ever heard the word senile? Someone who is losing no. their their brain, their mind. Can you spell it? S e n i l e. Google. Google is your friend, yes. Mm Why is he senile? What do you mean? Why? How's it not obvious? I don't really follow U.S. news. Um, nice talking to you. I do have to keep going. Hope you do well. Good luck. Slava Ukraine. Uh, sorry, Slava Russia.
All right, we. Um, why does this guy leave? I can't really look at who's here. Joe Biden guy. All right, let's get back to the topic and why uh, spreading the information that you should not go to the uh, recruitment offices is important, is it? Yeah, but by doing your work and selling courses, you can influence people in a better way and um, trying to teach them actual information on how to make more money with their craft is important, but what is wrong with um, also taking time and action to get to know to the like current political situation and just repeating one thing that will save a lot of lives not sign any papers from recruitment offices and just don't go there but it's like thousand rubles of fine maximum if you sign this and just not go to the recruitment office but if you do sign and get mobilized it will be like 10 years in prison if you flee after that uh, all right i'm sitting with like neighbor's cat for some reason uh i guess it's gonna be a short one and Hi, EG. <laughs> you can call in. <laughs> Very slow thinking. <laughs> uh... Hey, how's it going? Hey. Hi, sorry, I, I missed. I missed the beginning, so I don't. I didn't really. I was just curious. I was kind of. I was was curious to hear about your take on the mobilization thing, but I, I missed that. If, obviously, if you started it, what's um, you know, what's worth knowing from your perspective? Um. So where are you from? Uh, the UK. Um. Well, what have you heard <laughs> about what's happening? Well, so my understanding is that um, the Russian policy on mobilization is they're taking up to 300,000 people who have already previously served in the military and they're primarily looking for skill sets which are matched to predominantly frontline mobilized units or the support or the appropriate support unit skills. They're not they're not drafting or conscripting any old citizen. If you're in university, if you're of uh, you know generally gainfully employed if you don't have prior military experience you're not going to be act, uh, conscripted in this and um oh. it is only previously people who have served in the military i.e reservists and then the probable anticipated deployment of these people is not straight into the front line what they're going to do probably is put the mobilized reservists into the back line in Ukraine, essentially to free up the combat ready troops who are already in the front line or who have already been in the theater. So that essentially they probably nearly quadruple their fighting force. That's essentially the analysis that I understand. Well, well, I'm not sure about the back line or front line thing, but like it was said by media that, uh, was Deputy Shegu <laughs> that is gonna be partial, only partial mobilization and is gonna be less than one percent of the population and three hundred thousand people. Uh, but but that's but that's but that's less than one percent of the total mobilizable reservist population, not the Russian population. Full stop. Yeah, that too. Oh. Because what's being misrepresented, as far as I can tell, in certain Western circles is 
that people are partially presenting mobilization as a as a conscription draft it's not and also what they're sometimes not reporting is that they are only taking people who are already military reservists who were already known that they could be called up in the event that russia ever declared a war anywhere whether that was any theater right so it is not that they are suddenly radically dragging in uh citizens from anywhere right is that fair well, the definition of who will be mobilized is quite broad, so uh, it's not quite clear. But in reality, uh, in a lot of like states, Russia, like federations, <laughs> um, like where non-Slavic nationalities is much more people are taken from there yeah but are they are they are they all are they all reservists who have served in the military before no there was like some dad who had some five kids he had he had not like been trained but he was uh, given this paper from recruitment office and that he had to go and like in Buryatia, that a lot is reported that a lot of students are getting these things. Like there were recently protests in Dagestan <laughs> that they will. Yeah, not... okay, and 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 the, the Russian state has acknowledged that it's made some mistakes, and it's correcting them. So have those people who have been incorrectly kind of served have they have they actually been forced to join, or have the corrections been made, and they they've gone? Oh yeah, okay, you're a student. Yeah, you're not getting included. It was a mistake. Not really. It's like random. Usually it's just it doesn't correct the mistakes and just forces people uh, like right when they get this signed recruitment paper, sometimes forcefully and they get uh, sent to the specific area to like (laughs) to get trained for this stuff do you can you are you in russia are you a russian national no i was born you, in Kazakhstan, but i lived yeah in but are you able are you able to send a send a provide a link here to the actual native russian uh, mobilization documentation that, or a website we can look at to see for ourselves what the russian policy mobilization policy is because i could try and find it by using translation but if you know where the where the site is, that would help me a lot because I just want to see the policy. Uh, I'm not sure that I don't think that there's official documents because it's usually see. So, so the issue that I have as a foreigner is that I know that I can't really access absolute truth, no matter which side of my political reporting line I go to. If I, unless I'm going to primary source information, I, I will always be relying on somebody else. Now, I know that the BBC, CNN, all of those types of outlets will never tell me really a fair, a fair representation of what Russia is actually trying to do and then what is actually happening on the ground in Russia. So the other sources that I look at um will uh include including what russian outlets i can get my hands on they still haven't led me to the public policy documentation issued by the russian government which shows the rules of mobilization because in that document it's going to tell me are we taking random civilians and we're drafting random civilians or are we only like, taking people who have previously served and, uh, in the military and the service the reality is different <laughs> Yeah, but obviously, obviously, the the point of this, though, is that if there is an underpinning Russian policy document, then every citizen will technically be able to refer to that document in law to say, I have been wrongly, unlawfully drafted because I am a citizen, I was a student, I'm one of Uh, these excluded lists. There was, like, one guy who was, uh, like... Aside from politics, he was a political, as he said. And then, um, 
he like saw the news from the media, from the journalists about the mobilization, and then he went to the recruiting office to like to get ahead and say that uh, he like his health issues would not let him to be like on the front line, but he can help out with like bullets or something. <laughs> And then, like, they ignored it and they that you're gonna be like s- sent to a specific area. But, but does that okay? Hang on, so, but does that report even, even make sense, right? Why would anyone who did not want to fight or be involved in a war who was not a reservist go to an army recruitment center? Because recruitment officers will make you yeah but if you're not the one of the ones who's legally going to get affected by mobilization then then the, the only thing you should do is stay home live your life and if documentation turns up a letter turns up or a recruitment officer turns up at your house then you have the conversation with them to say i don't think i'm eligible for the mobilization you wouldn't you wouldn't walk into an army recruitment center and say hey i don't want to do anything i don't want to go to the front line but if you want me to cook some meals for soldiers i could do that and then suddenly they go they grab you by the neck and then send you off to the front lines that just does not make sense but that's kind of what happens because they give out this papers they i don't know like there was acquaintances of mine who got this thing at like his parents home and this were people who were dressed like people who like usually fix something in your home <laughs> but they give you this paper so that you can sign it yeah and okay. like he closed the door but then the police officers, officers then came in and had, had to run like in some place where he is not legally living <laughs> so that yeah. it's harder for them to find him but what, so what I still don't understand, and this is why I want to see primary uh, rules documentation, because a mobilization isn't Law the same quite as constri- conscription. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is the thing. This is why I'm, 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 I basically have to take the position that as a Westerner, I, can't, I don't know what to believe, basically. Do you want to know the like what the officials said, like the deputies? Well, I've I've read I've read the happening. I've read the official I've read the official um, some of the official statements by um, Putin's speech, and I think uh, the w- one of the MOD statements, but I haven't found any. I don't know where to look to find the citizen applicable policy documentation that says this is i mean is it on the mod site or is it on the ministry of defense site or is it on 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 somewhere else because I, I just don't i'm not familiar with russian sites you see well for example if it says that only people with military train uh, are officially gonna be mobilized what does it give to you well, it at least sets the law, the the legal framework against which, against which citizens can judge whether they have been fairly mobilized, right? If you didn't have any documentation and you were just doing a, a broad sweeping, let's grab anyone, right? Then, then okay, you wouldn't have any documentation. But if you did have documentation, it would show roughly what the state is intending to do. And it gives the legal basis for people to oppose it by saying, hey, I'm not one of the eligible ones. And the thing is as well, what I don't understand about this claim about Russia taking anyone, it doesn't make sense. If you actually have a reservist population of 25 million people who have got prior military experience, so you don't need to train them from zero, and they know that they, as a reservist, they could be mobilized for any conflict, then it would make sense to only use those people because they are exactly the skill set you want in this time of war. Interesting. 
I mean, in your mind, how, how does it suit the Russian MOD or the bigger government to simply conscript people off the streets who have no military experience at this present time when it has a reservist force of up to 25 million? Maybe because they don't want to fight for Russia. So there's 25 million reservists who don't want to fight. Well, there are a lot of people who like supports. Uh, they want Russian soldiers to win, but they don't go to like sign contracts and stuff. They just like put that on their <laughs> machines and everything, and just do like rant about this in life and interests. Okay, is do people in Russia, do people have to do military service, irrespective of the Ukraine war? Do you have to do military service or is it still an option? Um, you have to do this. What, when you get to 18, you have to do military service? Yeah, yeah, if you're not a student or like health uh, conditions that don't allow you to what in general i'm not talking about the mobilization i'm literally talking about no it's in like general. yeah in, in regular life it's right yeah happens. cool okay it's so, so okay and and so my understanding is that once you've done that military service this makes you an automatic reservist so you could automatically enter the reserve and therefore ultimately automatically be mobilized is that fair to say Yes, I think so. <laughs> and so, yeah, okay. So in there, in those 25 million people, you will get a load of people who never really wanted to go into the army anyway, but they had to do it because they're your country's rules. And therefore, they never really want to be mobilised anyway, but they have to be because they're the country's rules. Yes. That's, just, that's what you're... Yeah, okay, cool. That makes more sense, right? Okay. So, yeah. So, and what you're saying is that in amongst that population there are still people who just do not fucking want to go to Ukraine because, hey, if I'd had the choice, I never would have been anywhere near any of the armed forces. Is that fair to say? Yes. Cool. Yeah, well, I can see, I can see why, the, why that might be the case now because in the UK, it's different, right? We only yeah, have a volunteer, a volunteer military. We never have, we don't have national service. So all of the people who entered the military who could become reservists, who could be mobilized mm -hmm. for the UK, they would actually not be able to really ethically resist because they volunteered for the force in the first place right at the beginning. So yeah, it's a slightly different setup. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, interesting. How many are there people in US who took the contract service? How, what the oh sorry the U, the USA or the how do you mean sorry yeah you, USA <laughs> I mean oh you're talking about how many people from the USA went to Ukraine to fight no not Ukraine but like uh, who served uh, in the contracts army oh yeah but I mean there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for it though they have you know that the US is a, quite a militaristic, is a very militaristic nation. Plus also you get college benefits and you get, um, you know, in fairly, fairly potentially quite strongly incentivized, depending on what you end up doing. A lot of people use it to fund their college education. Yeah, money <laughs> is the thing. Do you, I mean, are you are you at risk of being conscripted or mobilized yourself or not? No, I'm not citizen of Russia. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. But women, some women are mo getting mobilized too, like for medical service. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out then, because some of the Western commentators that I've looked at say that uh, it's going to it's a very targeted mobilization but obviously i can't verify that unless i see other see other evidence really and it's hard to know what the truth is of it all it's like it's been announced that 
300,000 people will be mobilized, but more than 200,000 already left the country in, in several days. Mm. I mean, they're not, but the thing is, if you compare Russia to the Ukraine, the Ukraine is into the sixth or seventh round of active conscription, and they're taking people up to 70 years old. And they have also blocked all the borders. They blocked the borders in March or April to stop men leaving the nation in, in April. I mean, Russia hasn't blocked its borders. Russia hasn't, um, is not actively arresting people who are trying to leave the country. Um, yeah, there were like rumors that the borders might be closed for men like from 28th of September, like after referendums and stuff that they will announce war, like special war conditions in the country. <laughs> and well, a lot of people, even after the news of mobilization were afraid and they just panicked and left the country <laughs> just so that it doesn't happen to them, <laughs> just in case. Because you never know what may happen. Yeah, but it, ha but, it ha but it hasn't happened yet, has it? I mean, the thing is, it, a rumour of something happening isn't the same as right now this has happened. And the only thing, what you can say about Ukraine is it's clear what they've done, right? They very quickly locked their borders for basically all men of fighting age, and then they began to conscript them. And they've been conscripting them six or seven times now. Like Russia's only just begun mobilization and it isn't reportedly is not doing it in the way that Ukraine did it. Yeah, but it's also like it, it was expected that it would like end a couple of weeks and like maximum month and they will like <laughs> take over the Ukraine. Yeah, but the but war doesn't work like that, does it? War is not a predictable event, and and the West, my nation, they expected it to US, be like with Crimea. <laughs> but the but the Western policy, the Western war policy, has been to deliberately extend the war. The US has stated that the UK has publicly stated it, and they've done it openly by by spending money on Ukraine, providing weaponry and providing training for troops, and they've been training the troops in Ukraine since at least 2014 to NATO standards, right? So that is direct Western intervention, which extended the war and and yeah, and, the, and, and, the, and and my country, my country interfered with negotiations that would have ended the war in April, May, because we went and turned up when Zelensky was saying, okay, we, we'll consider uh, Ukrainian neutrality and we'll consider not joining NATO, and we might consider possibly not joining the EU. Zelensky was doing that at the table with the Putin, and he had gone there himself, right? He had actually initiated some of those talks. And then Britain turns up, and then suddenly Zelensky withdraws from all talks, and then the US $53 billion bill gets signed. That's us directly interfering and extending a war. Um, do you think that Ukraine should have gave up and like be connected to, to Russia. I don't. I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion because it's a geopolitical event, and I don't necessarily believe that I'm an individual who's capable of knowing what is having a judgment to say what is definitely right or definitely wrong. But what I do know is this: this war is was predicted over ten years ago by a guy called John Mearsheimer and another guy called Stephen Cohen and a few other Russian uh, Rus an analysts of Russia. And the reasons why they predict the war are very, very, very well documented. Okay, and they relate to NATO expansionism, which is documented in US documents, which are in the US National Security Archive, okay, which is, a, which is where the US agreed, and it's recorded in minutes of the, own, of the US's making, that said, when they were when they were negotiating with Gorbachev, U.S. NATO expansion would not go further than its present position in 1991, which was 
essentially the centre the center of Berlin, right? Since then, NATO has produced an expansionary policy, right? And that has resulted in nuclear-capable missiles being placed into anti-ballistic missile launchers in uh, Poland and Romania, which is now a direct threat. Cons Russia considers those things to be a direct threat to its to to it as a nation because you've now got Western or US nukes on the border of, or, or nuke capability on the border with Russia. That's that's roughly Russia's argument, but that's been a long long-standing position, heavily documented for over. 20 years and the the and the Mearsheimer and Cohen analysis is over 10 years old so even before the coup in the Maidan in 2014 so none of this is a surprise right and also in the run-up to the invasion Russia was producing statement after statement saying we are not happy with this policy and and that was even years before right and they even immediately before the invasion, Russia produced a, a basis of a negotiating document which said the threats to us are the expansion, the Nazificate, the Nazi units in there, and we won't tolerate any nuclear escalation of um, Ukraine in any form. So what did Zelensky say? He said Ukraine will now nuclearize its arsenal. So, so Zelensky was saying that he as a president was committing the Ukraine to seek the installation and acquisition of nuclear weapons. Well, well, everyone knows that there is no way that Russia will ever tolerate any nation on its border becoming nuclearized. And that was expressly stated in the documentation it submitted to the United Nations saying that we believe that the United States, the United uh, Russia and the United Nations should all agree that no more countries in the world whatsoever should ever achieve nuclear weapons. And we should all work together to avoid that situation and to try to reduce new total nuclear weapon use or, or arsenals in the world. That's all a matter of documentation produced by Russia. Right. So I don't know what's right, but I do know what Russia said they wanted. And I do know that Ukraine politically has known those documents existed and even so still said, oh, we want nuclear weapons. And the US has backed that position, right? So it's all highly predictable. Well, I think that uh, this war started because Putin wanted Ukraine to be part of Russia, firstly, and he like created the story about Nazis at the government so, of Ukraine. Do you do you feel that there are no Nazis in Ukraine? Um. Well, not the ones that needs saving, like. From Russia. Okay, Zelensky which is like Jewish himself. Okay, but that doesn't. But that doesn't. Just because you have somebody of Jewish descent in the presidential position, does not mean anything about military forces, security forces, militia personnel at all. That does not mean that there cannot be neo-Nazi fascistic groups operating inside state entities just because one man who happens to be at the top is of Jewish descent. You think that this war started because of um, nuclearization of Ukraine? I can, I can show you all of the documentation that was produced by Russia okay, which, is, which explains to not only the US but the United Nations what they what their what the russian assessment of the threat in ukraine was to them and their suggested diplomatic solution for it that was that was released in about february 17th or something around that date okay and then it was also joined by a joint russian chinese statement where they both said together we are not happy with the the us 
being the world's single superpower and the US needs to accept that the world is going to is is forming a multipolar balance of power uh, power structure which needs to basically fall back on the United Nations Charter the United Nations Security Council and what they call law-based order right that's that's all clearly documented by Russia and China now it, when it comes to the na the Nazi thing okay oh, will you send it here yeah or just hold on a second I'm just I'm literally just finding some sources that you can have a look at right well, so, is it okay to invade your, the neighbor country just because of this thing? Well, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I don't, I, you know, that's the problem with war, isn't it? Right? There's always somebody who will say that's right, and there's always somebody who says that's wrong. If you want to try to be morally certain about war and invasion, then you have to turn that level of um, judgment against anyone who conducts acts of war, right? Now, that means that you have to turn that judgment against Britain, against the United States and all of their allies. And, it, and in my lifetime, my country and the US are the two countries in the world who've conducted the most amounts of invasive wars and none of them have been legal. They've all been completely illegal. Uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Vietnam's was was created on the Gulf of Tonkin, which wasn't a real event. The U.S. spun that. Uh, Argentina, the British-Argentinian War. There's an argument that that didn't need to happen and it could have been avoided. There's also an argument that we committed a massive war crime, sinking a ship that was actually fleeing battle. It had turned round, it was leaving, so it was no longer a threat. But we still bombed it and sank it. Um, Gulf War One. When you read into that. That was completely avoidable. We actually allowed Saddam Hussein to invade Kuwait, even though he rang us up and said, Kuwait is drilling our oil using slant drilling. I can't tolerate that. I think I'm going to start kicking off in, in Kuwait. Do you, do you have a problem with it? And the US didn't. The US did not say stop it. They let him do it. And then once he'd started doing it, they used that as a pretext to go in and kill him. Or, or, or basically bomb, bomb the shit out of him. Um, that link there that I've just put in the chat, right? What it has is a link to the BBC, the Guardian, Consortium News, which then links to the Atlantic Council, okay? And uh, the British Telegraph, and they are all dated from anything from uh, May 2022, 2014, 2022, 2018, and 2014. And they are all separate, detailed um, accounts of how various forms of neo-Nazi, ultra-nationalist, or extreme right groups are operating inside police, security, military, and militia forces inside Ukraine. Okay, and they all say it. As of is a legitimized Nazi unit that was basically blended into the um, Ukrainian secure state security military force. Now, you can argue that the Telegraph is talking shit, Cons Consortium News is talking shit, the BBC is talking shit, and the Guardian are talking shit, but what you're going to have a problem with is questioning the Atlantic Council because the Atlantic Council is a, a United States foreign policy think tank that literally has direct influence over the formation of US foreign policy. When you do research into what it is, it's very difficult to say that the Atlantic Council is wrongly informed or literally lying unless you start saying that the Atlantic Council is essentially involved in knowing propaganda. Like, for example, there are Nazis inside this country, but Ukraine didn't ask for this. But that's not what you said. They don't want to you... be, like, annexated or something. 
Okay, but that isn't really what you said before. And I'm not trying to put you in a corner, but what I'm pointing out is that Russia has clearly written down that the state of affairs with the Nazification of a mixture of Ukraine's military, militia, paramilitary forces, security forces and police is unacceptable to Russia because they represent the Nazification of significant parts of the Ukrainian state, irrespective of where the hell Vladimir Zelensky comes from. And that is why denazification is a stated objective of Russia's operation inside Ukraine. Now, I've just provided you with unassailable, pretty much you can't really take down those reports without suggesting that all of those individual independent, supposedly independent, journalistic outlets, including the Atlantic Council, which is not a journalistic outlet, it's actually a think tank, you would have to say that they're all lying in order to then counter Russia's claim because those sources are exactly the same as Russia's claims about Nazification. Mm. And they were even recorded as early as 2014 during the Maidan uprising when massive amounts of neo-Nazis were taking part with flags fully parading through the streets of Ukraine and attacking Ukrainian MPs and citizen groups. And they also trapped Ukrainian 48 government. So the Ukrainian neo-Nazis in the Maidan uprising are on, uh, on record taking part in um, various forms of uh, on the street political uprising. This is all a matter of video record. And they've even stated Svoboda has, has produced um, direct external, you know, public statements. Julia Timoshenko is on record, on video and on, on, on even leaked phone calls, okay, outlining her position as a far right nationalist about what politics should be happening in the DPR and LPR. Right. So it's so it, and this, this stuff isn't isn't contested as untrue It's just ignored. Right. And in that period, neo-Nazis closed up a government building with 48 people inside it and then set that building on fire. And all 48 of those people were burned to death or died of smoke inhalation. And that was basically the acts of some of these groups related to either IDAR right sector c14 c18 azov and or svoboda right and that was happening in 2014. When did that I'll, I'll i'll find some reports for you i'm just looking for it now i mean Generally, you're trying to say that there were Nazis and Russia tried to fight it, and that was like the reason, or what? Like, no, that no, that is a fraction of the reason. That's one of the factors that Russia has cited for invading the east of Ukraine, right? Because one of the things that is intolerable to it is that. Nazis have penetrated major parts of the political network, framework and construct of the Ukrainian state over at least the last eight years. And that has also been supported and sponsored by the West. We are literally giving weapons to Azov. Azov is a far right Nazi battalion, which was not formally a legitimate part of the military until political decisions were made in Ukraine to absorb it and make it, turn it from a paramilitary group into a form of militia, then ultimately a free-floating militaristic battalion, right? That's all happened through deliberate political decision-making and funding by the Ukrainian state, possibly through using proxy Western money. That's one of the reasons why Russia has publicly stated that it must denazify that nation, right? 
or certainly the eastern part of it, which affects the DPR and LPR. That's all a matter of written record. It's not it's not rumor. I'm just trying to find some re the reports on this government government building that's So in 2014 they decided to send troops to Ukraine because they saw the the Renats group no, I think that's a massive oversimplification. I mean, you might as well just read the Russian source documentation. Like that, Russia's literally done something that the West has never done. The, 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 the West did not produce a long written explanation of what it was about to do before it invaded Iraq or Afghanistan or, or Kuwait or any war since uh 1985 right russia actually did and it did it before it invaded right so it can be held to account for what it's done based upon its initial doctrine well there isn't anyone in the west who's ever done that and what what i'm a bit surprised about is that you don't know that because you obviously haven't read this documentation oh yeah I'm not living in the Ukraine and I quite. Well, I don't live in the Ukraine either. I live in Britain and, the, and, and it's not Ukrainian documentation. It's Russian documentation, which was released in English. Oh, not everyone is that involved in the politics. And I was like a child when the first like Crimea was annexed, annexated. Uh... See, I mean, my my issue, my my point really is that I'm interested in trying to find primary source documentation, right, so that I can judge which of my media outlets in the West are telling something like the truth or not telling the truth right and with the mobilization i'm looking for the rules of mobilization that russia says applies and i haven't found that yet but obviously talking to you um the point i'm making with why i'm sending you this stuff is to show you that there is primary source documentation about nazis right multiple sources in the west which which nobody has ever actually said that's not true Right. Because otherwise they're saying that the BBC is lying, that the Council for uh, even the Council for Foreign Relations has got stuff on it. Uh, the Atlantic Council is lying. The Guardian is lying. They haven't said that. So that so they've just ignored the Nazi argument. Now they made it in 2014 saying, hey, look, there's Nazis in Ukraine. And then suddenly when the war kicks off, they go, oh, let's not mention the Nazis. Let's just give them billions of dollars of weapons and let's pretend that they're not Nazis. And let's stop calling them Nazis and let's stop printing information about Nazis, right? But their own documentation recorded them as being Nazis, right? That is ridiculous for the West to present information like that to its own citizens and to the rest of the world. Whereas Russia has been incredibly consistent in what it describes these groups as and in explaining that those things are not acceptable to it. And in addition to that, Russia has been consistent for over 20 years in saying to the US-NATO alliance, 
stop expanding, stop expanding. And they're still saying it, right? There isn't a nation on earth, funnily enough, I don't defend Russia because I don't live there. I don't know anything about the place. I don't know how good or bad the system is. But when you look at just the documentary evidence, there isn't a nation who's conducted war like Russia has based on provable documentation. Well, so US has to write documents before it invades some other country. <laughs> well, when it comes to the law of war, yeah, the reason why you, in, you conduct invasive war actually does have to be justified under UN charter. So in the case of Russia, my course understanding of this is that Russia has, has, has labeled this a special military operation for very specific legal reasons which relate to the United Nations rules of war. Are you not aware of that? I don't really understand what you're trying to say. Like, if you say that you think that some group of Jews are Nazis so that you can... No, I'm not saying anything about Jews and Nazis. And this is like legal. I'm not saying anything about groups of Jews and Nazis. I never said anything about that. I mean, documenting that, like, I just want to <laughs> kill other people for, like, specific reason, and then it becomes legal. So, like, no, because, because, because the, if, you are a, if you are a member, permanent or impermanent, of the United Nations then you are also connected and subject to the United Nations Security Council. And both of those entities have the United Nations Charter, which contains essentially what are commonly agreed rules of invasive war. Two of those points are that according to the UN, what has been agreed is essentially it is illegal for any country to conduct an act of invasive war on another which means that technically Britain and the US have always broken UN rules whenever we invaded a country, Libya, Iraq, Kuwait, whatever, right? We, we basically invade, invaded countries against UN rules. And the Iraq war is totally recognized as being completely illegal. And so is Afghanistan, right? If you so look into those two conflicts. UN rules right? that allow invading other countries or something like yes. that? Yes, yes. Okay, and I'll give you two examples of real world examples, right? One of them is Syria, where Syria was is undergoing an internal conflict, right? So what, what is happening on the surface of Syria is that there are internal uprisings which are trying to destabilize the government. Under those conditions, Syria is allowed to go to anyone it considers to be an ally and say to that ally, Please, can you come into our country and help us conduct military operations against the insurgents of this government in order to stabilize the country and the government and beat those insurgents? And that is exactly what Syria did when it went to Russia and said, can you come to our country and perform military operations in our country? What did Russia do? It said, yes, this is legal under UN charter, legal under the UN rules of war and we will conduct a month-long bombing campaign. That's publicly what they said. They probably did a bit more than that, right? That is completely legal operation of war under the United Nations, because what that is, is it's one country asking for internal help from an, an external ally. But it's not Russia conducting invasive war, but it is war operations inside another country. This is all critically legal, right? Now, in the case of um, the Ukraine, my understanding at the moment is that the reason why Russia has not labeled it war is because Russia has never declared that it is at war with the people of Ukraine and the nation of Ukraine. And so what it has done is it said this is a special military operation because under the rules, I think it's Article 51, of the United Nations Charter says, 
that there is a potential right to claim preemptive self-defense from a threat against your national interests that you can demonstrate to the United Nations. And what the what the what Russia has said it can demonstrate is an is a is a credible threat from a, uh, from Ukraine who is a expanding military a military alliance that that Russia finds threatening NATO by trying to become a NATO member and taking money and weapons from NATO and training which is all threatening to Russia and also because it knows and we all know that Nazis, Nazi ideology is growing inside Ukraine and has penetrated significant parts of its military and its politics. And those are two primary threats to the security and safety of Russia, which borders the Ukraine. And on that basis, it has said it will conduct targeted military operations. And at the other, the other bit of the, um, the other bit of its justification was also that the Russian ethnic Russian population of the DPR and LPR have been subject to attack military attacks by the Ukrainian state for eight years since 2014. And the Minsk one and two accords, which were meant to stop those attacks, have failed because Ukraine and Russia have not been able to enforce them. And France and Germany, as the overseeing parties, have abandoned their responsibility to ensure that Minsk 1 and 2 was enforced. So the Minsk 1 and 2 agreements that should have kept the DPL, DPR, LPR from being attacked have failed. And therefore, um, Russia has decided, rightly or wrongly, that that is a situation that also demands military intervention. That's all the context of the legality of operations under UN Charter. Thank you for the conversation, but I think I'm gonna go to sleep. It's really late. You know, I was hoping you'd be able to give us the documentation for mobilization, but I appreciate it. Cheers. Maybe I'll try to find it later.